Madam Chair and members of the commission, we are now live. Thank you. Good evening. This is the January 25th, 2023 Historic Preservation Meeting. Um, I welcome you all to the meeting tonight. Um, I will read the following into the record before we begin. The commissioners and staff of the Montgomery County Historic Preservation Commission are appointed by the county executive with the confirmation of the county council and are qualified to serve according to Chapter 24A, Section 24A-4B of the Montgomery County Code. Resumes of the commissioners are on file at the Historic Preservation Office and are hereby made a part of the record by reference of all public hearings. Um, and I am, I am the vice chair of the commission, Karen Burdett, and I'll be acting chair this evening. And as is our custom, I would like our commission and staff to introduce themselves beginning on my left. Christina Arado. Jeffrey Haynes. Julie Pelletier. James Dillman. Michael Galway. Mark Clements. Dan Brukert, Historic Preservation Staff. Rebecca Ballow, Historic Preservation Staff. John Liebert, Historic Preservation Staff. Thank you. Um, we will start with the historic area work permits that we believe can be expedited and approved without discussion. Um, if anybody is here to testify about any of the uh, hops, please uh, fill out the form at the table up here and hand it to the staff before you speak. Um, all right, so have these historic area work permits been duly advertised? Yes, Madam Chair, they were advertised in the January 18th edition of the Washington Times. Thank you. Is there anyone here who wishes to speak in opposition to cases? 2A, at 10304 Kensington Parkway, Kensington. Uh, hop number 2B at 7300 Holly Avenue, Tacoma Park. Hop 2C at 36 Quincy Street, Chevy Chase. Madam Chair, hearing no objections, I move that we approve the following historic area work permits in accordance with staff reports based upon the record before us in consideration of the recommendations of the local advisory panels and including the conditions recommended by staff. Hop number 103, ah, excuse me, um, hop number 1016525 at 10304 Kensington Parkway, Kensington. Hop number 1016595 at 7300 Holly Avenue, Tacoma Park. Hop number 101736 at 36 Quincy Street, Chevy Chase. Do I hear a second? This is Commissioner Rado, I second. All in favor say aye. 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 All in, oh, if there are any opposition or abstentions, then I, these hops are approved. <coughs> Madam Chair. I need to make a correction for the record. The hops were advertised in the January 11th edition of the Washington Times. Thank you. All right. Um, we will start then with the um, our first item tonight. Number one is the exec 
County Executive on National Register nomination of the Robert Coggin House at 4509 Binion Road, Silver Spring. And is there a report? Yes, good evening. Uh, John Lieberts, Cultural Resource Planner. Uh, so the purpose of tonight's public hearing is to provide the HPC with a briefing on the Robert Coggin House National Register nomination. Montgomery County has been certified by the National Park Service to, to participate in the National Register review process. The Historic Preservation Commission and County Executive are charged with reviewing nominations and making recommendations to the Maryland Historical Trust concerning the property's eligibility for the National Register. So for tonight, this is just a, um, a briefing on the National Register, National Register nomination. The uh, HPC will take a vote uh, later next month on actually forwarding these recommendations to the County Executive and to the Maryland Historical Trust, but these will be staff recommendations. That first, the commission finds that the property meets the required designation criteria. Second, that, are, that, we, that the HPC writes a letter of support to the Maryland Historical Trust. And lastly, that the HPC requests that the county executive supports the nomination as well. So Montgomery County is associated with pioneering LGBTQ plus political leaders, legal advocates, and artists, as well as activism that fought employment discrimination and government inaction amidst the AIDS crisis. In the last decade, there has been increased national awareness regarding the lack of LGBTQ recognized historic sites in the National Register. In 2016, the National Park Service released a thematic study of LGBTQ plus history. And three years ago, Montgomery County partnered with the City of Baltimore, the Maryland Historical Trust, and Preservation Maryland to develop a statewide historic context. In addition, the county identified, surveyed, and documented the peoples and places that significantly impacted the LGBTQ plus community and the development of the county. And in 2020, the Maryland Historical Trust released the statewide historic context. An important site identified in that context is the Robert Coggin House, which is located at 4509 Benny Road in Silver Spring, Maryland. The Historic Preservation Office moved forward with the evaluation of the property for the National Register. The one and a half story wood frame Cape Cod dwelling was constructed in 1949 and is located in the Veers Mill Village subdivision. EHT Traceries, a cultural resource firm, found that the building satisfied Criterion B, that the property is associated with the productive life of Robert Coggin, and Criterion Consideration G, that the property achieved significance in the last 50 years. Historians and Coggins contemporaries consider Coggin to be the founder of the gay and lesbian rights movement in the county. He formed the Suburban Maryland Gay and Lesbian Alliance in 1982. As the leader of the organization, Coggin played a critical role in advocating for and lobbying for local legislation that protected gays and lesbians from discrimination. The county's gay and lesbian community recognized the need for legal protections which became apparent when the Board of Education removed eighth grade teacher Joe Akinfora from the classroom in 1972 when his sexual orientation became publicly known. At this time, the county's laws protected against discrimination based on race, gender, and age, but not on sexual orientation. In the 1980s, Coggin established the Suburban Maryland Lesbian and Gay Alliance with the stated intent of persuading state and local governments to enact non-discrimination statutes protecting their rights. 
The organization successfully lobbied the county's Human Rights Commission, who sponsored legislation to add sexual orientation to a list of protected classes. Ike Leggett, the former chair of the Human Rights Commission, former county council president, and county executive, noted that Coggins' efforts were critical to achieving this milestone. He credited Coggins as persuading members of the Human Rights Commission who were not sympathetic at first to adding sexual orientation as a protected class. Coggins' leadership and advocacy continued to the county council and to the broader community. He personally talked to many faith leaders who, where he found some allies. At the council, he introduced stories and, and, and identified individuals who had faced discrimination due to their sexual orientation. In 1984, the council passed legislation adding sexual orientation to the list of protected classes, five to zero with two abstentions. A referendum effort to repeal the law failed in the court system. Coggan is remembered for his role in obtaining legal protections, successful lobbying efforts of county representatives and elected officials, and for withstanding attacks from a vocal opposition. In addition, he established the groundwork for future progressive measures in the county for LGBTQ rights. And again, uh, these are staff recommendations for when we take this issue up in a month for our vote. But if you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer them. Are there any questions? Commissioner Radu. Um, this is Commissioner Radu. I have a question about um, how, how often, I read in the report, thank you very much for, it was a very informative report. Um, and I read that um, the House, most of his act the activities uh, happened before he purchased the House. And what I want to know is like how often are houses are, or buildings listed for association with a person um, when the activities did not take, or, or when the period of significance is not, it's outside that period more or less. Sure. Um, ideally, the period of significance relates more to the structure itself, but when there's a lack of resources to represent this individual's achievements in the county, you know, we have to go to our next best um, resource. Uh, and, and while he, a lot of those activities from the 80s did not occur during his occupation of that home, um, there, he had continued efforts even after all the legislation passed uh, within the uh, LGBTQ plus community while he lived in that home. And so um, traceries and um, the historic preservation staff here agree that uh, it still represents his achievements within the county and would be suitable for um, criterion B in within the last 50 years. So typically it's not the best uh, option, but when there's no other resources available, that's where we have to look to. Thank you. Commissioner Doman. It's Commissioner Doman. Um, I'm curious on who owns the house, and is there any current family or relationship or organization that's can still going with the LGBTQ organization that is that is active in the house, or is this just an empty house right now? Uh, the house is uh, privately owned by individuals not associated with Robert Coggan. Do you know who owns it? Uh, yes, it's, uh, you can uh, find that information out on our, the um, Maryland SDAT system. So it is, it is public information who owns the house. 
Are there any other questions? I have one question. Um, while Mr. Coggan was in residence in the house, um, were there any group meetings of significance related to any LGBTQ issues that have been traced to his time in the house? Um, his, uh, his former partner did, uh, was interviewed as part of this effort, and he did talk about there were um, more social gatherings at the house within the LGBTQ uh, community rather than uh, political events that occurred there. Uh, but yes, there, there were social gatherings at the house that had um, some significance to the, to the history of um, the community in Montgomery County. And it, does the house have any architectural significance? No, the house does not have any uh, architectural significance related. Another question, thank you. This is Commissioner Doman. Um, I'm, I'm not familiar with um, nominating something for the National Register. Um, if, it, if we do move ahead with this, does this house become like public property or no. what, what actually happens to the house that, that would make it significant or be knowledgeable in the community, what went on there? Sure, so, the so first off, you're just making a recommendation to the Maryland Historical Trust Board of Governors who, dis who, makes, who uh, would list the house or not list the house. Uh, so your recommendation as, as a certified local government one of your responsibilities is to review National Register nominations, ask the locality, and provide your recommendation to the Maryland Historical Trust. Uh, so they will be taking up this matter in February uh, with, their, with their committee after um, the HBC meeting. I think it's February 28th is the date of that hearing. And they will make a, a decision whether it's listed or not. Um, but so we're just making a recommendation at this point. And so the National Register is just the federal list of historic sites that meet the designation criteria. Uh, what you have, there's no restrictions placed on the house by being on the National Register. If somebody wanted to demolish it tomorrow, they could. Uh, there are some protections from Section 106 against federal actions, uh, but there's no, there's no permitting process. The HPC will not see this house if there's any permits pulled for it. This is just a honorary and educational listing that does allow the property owners to apply for uh, state and federal tax credits, historic preservation tax credits. So that's the benefit of it. Uh, but there is no uh, regulatory um, review of these properties. And this is Commissioner Burdett, and it will not go on to the locational atlas for Montgomery County, correct? No, no, the, this will not go on the locational atlas. Um, you know, we have uh, studied a num numerous properties and hopefully as part of future designation efforts, um, we will continue to look at LGBTQ plus resources in the county, but uh, this is to place the, uh, the building on the National Register. Is this the first nomination for an LGBTQ property in the county? Uh, yes, it is. Thank you. I have a question. This is uh, Commissioner Pelletier. <laughs> um, does the owner have to give you permission to do this? Or is this something that the county can do on its own? Um, well, the county's not doing this, I mean, again. The uh, but uh, the owner just, um, as long as he does not object. So he, he will be uh, notified. Um, we've sent him multiple letters that we were surveying the property. Uh, and the Maryland Historical Trust will notify the property owner through uh, the address listed on SDAT that the property is being considered 
for the National Register. So as long as there's no objection, the property can be listed. So who's making the application? Is it the Maryland Historical Trust? They are the ones who will be reviewing it, yes. So, uh, the, so the, the report was written by EHG Traceries and submitted by, uh, Mon by, by Montgomery Planning as part of a uh, grant that we received through the Maryland Historical Trust to review uh, LGBTQ resources as, and another survey project separate. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, thanks. This is Commissioner Radu. Uh, one more question. Um, this uh, property, um, as noted by you in the presentation, is less than 50 years. Therefore, you're, I mean, it's being proposed under Criterion G and uh, the National Park Service notes that this is applied for um, for structures or you know applications that are exceptionally important. Yes. And um, I read the nomination. Obviously, um, it's a um, his contributions are clear for for Montgomery County, but this is a national. Um, register nomination so it's not just the look I mean the importance usually for this type I mean in my in my experience for to qualify for criterion G for under criteria G um, it has to have like wider um, sure. significance uh, so there's different levels to the national register too you can be qualified for local state or at the federal level um, even with that, there are so few properties that represent LGBTQ plus history, and the National Park Service recognized that when they put out that thematic study back in 2016, that you know they are looking to recognize individuals uh, whose contributions made you know impact at the local, state, and federal level. And Robert Coggan himself, you know, the Suburban Maryland uh, Lesbian and Gay Alliance was not just in Montgomery County; there was an arm in Prince George's County as well and throughout the D.C. area. So it is uh, more than just related to the, uh, the, our, our county's history. Uh, so there is um, you know, greater significance to him, to him as well in that, in that factor. Thank you. Any more questions? Commissioner Galloway, um, how long was he associated with the property, do you know? Um, not offhand. I believe it was close to 20, 20 years. Okay, so it was a yeah. fairly long. Okay, thank you. Has anybody signed up to speak in from the public in regards to this? No, we have issue? no. Oh, sorry, we have no speakers tonight. Uh, but we will leave this open for any uh, public testimony to be submitted over the next month. Okay, we've um, had questions. Now the uh, commissioners can provide comments and discussion. Would anybody like to start? Okay, um, I, I'll start just, I, this is interesting. I, I guess maybe I do have one last question to frame my comments around, but how many other properties do we have in the county that have been on the register, even though they have no architectural significance, the significance is entirely on the person or the event to it. Do you, can you, uh, mm, 
More than a dozen or less than a dozen? We don't know. We, c we can certainly, uh, you know, look, look into that um, and mm -hmm. get back to you. And I would make the distinction that there may be many more that have been found National Register eligible on the basis of history or cultural mm -hmm. association versus architecture. You know, properties are found eligible as part of Section 106 mm -hmm. undertakings yeah. and not necessarily listed. Um, but we can do some more research on that and come back to the commission with an informed response on February mm -hmm. 22nd. Um, well, I guess my my comment is, is rather timely was um, I was watching the Montgomery County History Conference this past weekend and there was a presentation about property in Rockville that um, was designated and it was a cottage not dissimilar to this house and the cottage itself is just you know a post-war cottage it was kind of cute but it was really uh, designated because of the person who had lived in the cottage and that person was a woman uh, a doctor uh, a psychiatrist um, and, a, and a leader in her er in her field during her era in psychiatric treatment of schizophrenia, and um, and she'd lived in the cottage while she worked at the institute where the cottage is located, and that house was designated. To your point, Madam Chair, um, perhaps a very excellent example would also be Rachel Carson's house. Correct. A right. very, very modest yeah. brick rambler where she wrote Silent Spring. So we do have precedent in the county for recognizing the residence or the, the building that relates to an individual who had significance in history to the county. Mm -hmm. Does anybody else have any? Commissioner Doman. This is Commissioner Doman. Um, I did drive through the neighborhood, and the house is, I think the house is kind of, Interesting on its own is that it represents the small little box houses that were built right after World War II. Very small, 685 square feet, something like that. And I think the house kind of represents a time and place. It, but that's independent of the association uh, that we're looking for for designation tonight. But having said that, um, anybody driving by, um, the house sits back quite a ways. I assume there'd be a plaque or something that goes on the side of the house if it isn't designated. That's up to the uh, property owner whether they would like to put a National Register uh -huh. plaque on it, but that's not a requirement. But um, to follow up on that, um, I, I, was not in, I was not in the area when this movement was going on. I'm not, I had never heard of, was it Coggin? I never heard of him until I read your report on it. And if I went by the house, I wouldn't know a single thing about him and what he did. I mean, I have, I, I would like to see, I, I think it's, this is an important part of our community, but I don't think it belongs in the house. I think it should be like um, something in the building here, um, uh, an area that designates, this is what, what Coggin did in the community, this is the laws that, that were changed because of his actions. I would like to see more about him rather than just the house. And I think the important part is the person. And I could see like a small, 
display set up someplace in the building here that is, recognizes his achievements. But the house, to me, doesn't, doesn't do anything as far as jogging my memory of what he did, because I, uh, first of all, I didn't even know. I wasn't even here at the time. So I, I, I think the house is kind of neat for other reasons, that it represents uh, the post-war small homes, but I don't see any real relationship to him. I think he's important, but I don't think he belongs in the house. So it's my comment. Thank you. Commissioner Clements. This is Commissioner Clements. Uh, I th I'm really glad that uh, uh, Rebecca Ballow on on the staff mentioned Rachel Carson because I was thinking that immediately uh, in terms of a not terribly architecturally significant building that nonetheless we value because of who lived there. Uh, and you know I I, I really want to echo uh, some agreement with. Uh, what John was saying earlier, that this is uh, basically sort of we're making the most of what we can do with in terms of what kind of material evidence that we have uh, in terms of the historic preservation world uh, for what's happened in LGBT history in this area. Uh, as an LGBT person living in Montgomery County myself, I had no idea about any of this until uh, it was brought to my attention. And the staff report, and I think it's incredible. And, you know, one thing that I'd, I'd like to just put out there, you know, how many times do we uh, focus on preserving remarkable pieces of architecture that were uh, commissioned by absolutely reprehensible human beings? Uh, you know, I, I, I think it may not be a bad idea sometimes to uh, preserve something that isn't necessarily of much architectural merit if the person who lives there is important to the history of the area. Thank you. Thank you. And if that's it, we're not actually taking a vote tonight, correct? So we just kind of yes, expressed yes. opinions. And we will be revisiting this on which date in the near February future? February 22nd. February 22nd. Okay. I would just like to add that this is all very interesting, and, and um, I'm glad this is all happening. And I think it's also worth, I think Commissioner Doman makes a point that right now we don't take seriously many of the smaller uh, buildings or artifacts of the most recent history, and that they may become more important as more and more of them are lost to development. And possibly this house, which doesn't have architectural significance, but cultural significance, may someday be a sole representative of its architectural significance because of the cultural importance. So we never know what's coming. And thank you very much for the report. It's very good. And we look forward to addressing this again next month. We will move back to the hop, so we will be listening, hearing one hop tonight. Um, item 2D at 5602 York Lane, Bethesda, and is there a staff report? Uh, yes, Madam Chair, give us just one minute to get situated. We're switching, switching staff members. Hold on, please.
and I'm ready whenever you are. Uh, this is the staff presentation for the historic area work permit at 5602 York Lane, Bethesda. It was constructed in 1936 and it's a contributing resource to the Greenwich Forest Historic District. Again, this is reviewed under the district design guidelines, chapter 24A, and the Secretary of the Interior standards for rehabilitation. Um, Greenwich Forest was developed as uh, an auto-dependent suburb in the 1930s. It comprises uh, 69 houses that fall into three general styles, including the Tudor Revival house you see before you. Um, and we saw this house as a preliminary consultation on December 21st, um, 2022. And the proposal is to demolish a portion of the rear wall, rear porch, well actually not the rear porch, in an area above the garage and construct a rear addition um, over the garage, replace the existing windows and remove two openings and replace the garage door. Um, previously, a rear deck was proposed that has been eliminated from the proposal and again, they are retaining the, the rear porch, as you'll see in the um, plans later. So the commissioners were generally supportive of the rear addition, but recommended that it retain some elements of the historic side porch to do more to relate back to the historic construction. Uh, the commissioners also recommended lowering the addition's gable, and several of the commissioners uh, recommended narrowing the addition, but um, voiced support for a deeper addition, so there would be no loss of square footage in the, the total construction. Um, just, again, to familiarize yourself with the house. This is the garage with the small uh, addition over the back. Um, and what you see are um, two of the openings. The, this door is proposed to be blocked in. Um, and then this is the, the rear side porch that will be retained as part of the proposal. And then this is looking from the rear towards the front of the house. Um, these are really, really hard to see. Um, I apologize, these are site plans showing existing on the left and proposed on the right. Um, on the right, you're seeing an additional 10-foot extension of the, the rear, uh, which is a historic construction. So this is, this is a little bit easier to see. You see um, on the first floor demolition. Again, they're expanding out the back by approximately 10 feet. The porch is being retained, and you can see the openings that they're blocking in um, as part of their new interior layout. And then the second floor again, uh, you see this side window, which is behind the chimney. It's um, virtually ob entirely obscured from the public right-of-way, will be blocked in. Um, and then again, the addition extends out the back. Um, and, and that's only a one-story in the rear currently, and they're going to add a second story. So um, with the, the notations on this, the drawing is a little bit busy, but you see the rear gable addition. Um, it's built on three brick piers. Um, the porch has, the deck has been eliminated, but they've retained the side porch as part of the construction. Um, this is the, the right or the west elevation. They're putting in a new garage door that virtually matches the existing. Um, we have new casement windows and we have new aluminum clad casement windows throughout in the historic property. Uh, and then this is the left or the east elevation, which retains the porch. Uh, I believe they're eliminating the screening, which is not historic anyway. Um, and then again, aluminum clad casement windows throughout. So staff finds the proposed addition preserves the house as a recognizable outline and will not impact any of the street facing elevations. Uh, staff finds that the proposed design will not visually compete with the historic house design and finds that the clad windows, brick siding, copper gutters, and slate roof are all appropriate materials for additions and new constructions in the Greenwich Forest Historic District. 
Uh, staff finds the design guidelines allow for wholesale window replacement without demonstrating that the windows have deteriorated beyond repair. However, the applicant provided two window assessments that find, found that the windows had deteriorated beyond repair and um, needed to be replaced. Staff finds that the replacement clad window is consistent with the Tudor Revival house style and consistent with the requirements of, of guideline D17 in the Greenwich Forest design guidelines. Additionally, um, staff finds that removing the window on the right elevation and the left side door will not significantly impact the character of the house. Um, the HPC concurred with that finding at the December preliminary consultation. Uh, staff recommends that the openings be filled in with reclaimed bricks from the rear to preserve the exterior appearance. Um, or if staff finds that the, the new bricks proposed are um, an appropriate replacement, that new bricks could fill in those openings. Um, staff finds that the proposed garage door is also an, uh, an appropriate replacement. So um, staff recommended two conditions in the staff report, or two conditions for approval. Um, staff finds the brick siding is appropriate for the addition, but um, the photograph that was submitted, it doesn't allow us to compare uh, a side-by-side -side with the existing um, brick and mortar and recommend that a sample board be constructed uh, for staff to evaluate on site. And um, we recommend that the HPC delegate staff final review authority um, and that that be reviewed before issuing the building permits. Uh, staff also finds that the use of piers for the rear addition is incompatible with the house's continuous foundation and recommends that the HPC condition the foundation uh, at the rear be continuous instead of, um, instead of piers. And, and the drawings would need to be revised to show that condition for staff's final review and stamping. And staff recommends the HPC approve the design under the design guidelines and 24A8B1, 2, and D. Are there any questions? Are there any questions for staff? Commissioner Doman. Yes, Commissioner Doman. Um, the recommendation to do away with the peers, um, you have discussed this with the applicant, is that correct? Well, I mean, they're, they're here, so I that know. may be a question <laughs> for them, not for me. Okay, uh, I just wonder if, if this issue has been resolved already, or I'll wait well, for Well, they, they, haven't, they haven't amended their drawings, so I think that's determinative on whether or not the HPC conditions the approval on Okay, that. my other question is on the windows. We've we are going along with, with replacement of all the windows, is that correct? Correct. They submitted two, um, two window reports as part of the application materials. I can find those in. Well, the, the detailed report that, that you put out has the windows, and some of these look pretty bad. I mean, I, I understand these are steel windows, and they've been around for a while. There's a, a whole slew of pictures that are in the, in the report, so I'm, I'm happy with what I see. I mean... Not Correct, and, and, and windows, again, just but I'm happy that just, they presented uh, it right. here. So. I, I, I think they've um, our 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 position as, as staff is that the Greenwich Forest guidelines, as we've interpreted interpreted them, do not require um, an a finding of deteriorated beyond repair before you can replace them, because of the wording and the guidelines is um, homeowners may replace their windows. Full stop. But they've gone. The, the applicants have gone. Well, I would say two further because there are two window reports that find that these are deteriorated beyond repair. All right, thank you. Are there any other questions for staff? If there are not, then the applicants have come forward, and if your mics are turned on, if you'd like to make a presentation about your... Oh, you need to introduce yourself and your relationship to the project. Thank you. Um, and you can give a short presentation on... 
the changes that you've made and so forth. Thank you. Karina Sobalo, designer from D-Line Investment. Karina Sobalo, designer. Ketli Perdomo, part of the design team. I'm Amy Mimetalu, and I'm uh, owner of D-Line Investments. So we agree with most of the recommendation was made from the staff. Uh, the only question we have, we are, um, we couldn't find the exact match of the brick. The closest that we could get was the blue bay clinker, the ones that we, rec uh, we had on the report. But we are happy to go with either wood or fiber siding. And for the foundation, uh, we are also happy to change them instead of having it supported on a column pier. That sounds fine. I just, is staff is good with that, correct? Yeah, okay. Um, are there, do you have anything else to present? If not, we'll let the commissioners ask you questions or provide comments. Commissioner Pelletier. Thank you. Is the brick, is it regular brick or is it thin brick? I couldn't really tell from what was in the, uh, the in proposed the report. Is it, is it a standard like thickness of brick? Yes. So it'd be brick veneer. I mean, it's not like thin bricks. It's like regular bricks. It's, it's actually, yeah. Okay. It's okay. Uh, I think that's my only question. Thanks. Any other? Questions or comments or discussion? Nope. <laughs> All right. Um, I'll make some comments. Um, first off, I'd like to commend you on the improvement on this project and the design. Um, I was very hard on you last time, mm -hmm. and I would like to say that you have really done a lot of work and this is a much better project and a much better presentation. And we do appreciate all the hard work that you have put into this. Um, it is, you have really, your addition is much more sympathetic to the historic house. And it will be a positive addition to the house and its value as well as an addition, a positive addition to the community. Um, my comments are really fairly minor. Um, um, I, I wish you could have done a little bit more with the window placements between the first and second floor of the addition, aligning them, or at least so that they look like they make sense. Um, but I, looking around the house elevations, I realized that sometimes some of its windows actually don't make a whole lot of sense either as from the exterior. So since this is, it is the exterior, the um, back of the house, it's not a significant issue, um, so I certainly am not going to hold up uh, my approval of this project at this point, this hop, um, but it is something to consider on future projects uh, because I remember one of my comments was, you know, design from the outside mm -hmm. as well as from the inside. Um, if there are no other, oh, oh, I, okay. <laughs> Well, questions and comments. Uh, okay, no, no. Commissioner Pelletier. No, okay, um, Commissioner Hanks. <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, I just wanted to comment about the brick 
Um, oftentimes, the, the mortar color plays a huge role in how the match of the brick to the existing. So I think you should at least try and pursue the brick option um, and provide the sample panel to the staff as, as noted. Um, but pay attention to the mortar color when you make up the sample because oftentimes that will make or break the um, appearance of the brick against the existing. Commissioner Palachuk? Um, I would suggest, did you talk to a mason about matching the brick or were you just looking at products? Uh, we are talking to different manufacturers. Okay, I just would suggest if you have a mason on the project, mm -hmm. have them look into different products because they often have the inside scoop rather okay. than trying to find something, you know, like online or um, often you can just, that's a request, a spec that match the brick and then you can sort of put it on the mason to find brick that matches okay. uh, instead of you trying to find it. I think it's a, it's another resource, and if you get a good mason, they'll a lot of them do a really good job, and I agree about the mortar. I think the mortar is kind of critical. Um, the only other comment I have, I agree about the peers. I think it should be, it should be uh, a foundation. Um, brick over peers is kind of weird. Um, but I would encourage you to do the brick. I, I, we talked about the siding last time. I think the brick is a huge improvement. Um, thank you for saving the porch. That's awesome. Uh, the back windows, and I know they're in the back, but I, I'm curious how you're going to make that happen because they're so large in the, on the second floor, they look like they're going to interfere with your structure, with your roof structure. So. I would encourage you just to look at the back elevation a little bit more and maybe maybe make the second floor windows a little smaller, bring them down a little bit. Um, I, there's detailing questions about how that whole roof without a fascia board is going to work, but I'll leave that up to the to your permit drawings. But I think in general, it looks a lot better. I think like Karen said, it's more sympathetic. Um, but I, I think the brick's really, really important. So if you can do your due diligence on getting a good match and then futz around with the windows a little bit on the second floor in the back, and I think uh, you'll have a nice project. The other question I have is about the very slim amount of brick that's between the windows on the back facade. It doesn't even look like it might be one brick wide, but I would just suggest kind of massaging the bricks on the back facade, or not the windows on the back facade to be a little bit more realistic with the use of the brick. And thinking about the roof structure and how far it's gonna come down on the outside, you might wanna bring the windows down or maybe do some different types of windows on the back. But in general, I think it's a, an improvement from before and I can support this. Thank you. Any other? Comments or discussion from any other commissioner? Uh, commissioner Galloway. Commissioner Galloway. Um, again, I, I also thank you for saving the porch. I think it was it's <laughs> an adorable element on the house, and I think you'll you'll appreciate it and being able to see it when it's all done. 
Uh, I am in favor of the brick as well. So if there's an opportunity to really get a good match, I think that's you're heading in the right direction. Um, I, I appreciate staff's recommendation to have be the, for the uh, uh, foundation wall as opposed to the piers. But I am curious, uh, just was there a reason for the, for thinking about the piers? Was it strictly just material, or was there something architecturally that, that led you to that to that uh, decision? We were thinking in terms of massing to make it look more or less, but we can definitely go with the foundation. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, and if I'll just add one last thought. Um, I do concur with Commissioner Pelletier about the rear elevation and the window sizes versus the brick. Um, you do need to take a look at that because it doesn't look terribly realistic. Um, but the other thing you might want to talk think about, and this goes to Commissioner Haynes's comments about the mortar, is where you are doing work on the existing house, be very careful with the mortar. Make sure your mason actually tests the existing mortar um, that's old enough to maybe be a little different. And if you mix new mortar in that historic structure, you could actually cause some damage. So the mortar has to be uh, sympathetic. Uh, Commissioner Radu could actually speak to that at length, I'm sure. Um, but if you'd like to have some com add some comments, you can, Commissioner Radu. Otherwise, I'm going to uh, ask for a motion to approve this hop. I don't have uh, comments, but um, I can make the motion. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. If you would, please. <laughs> Um, I move that the Historic Preservation, Preservation Commission, in accordance with the standards set forth in Section 24A of the Montgomery County Code, approves HOP number 1014434 at 5062 York uh, Lane, Bethesda, located in the, in the Greenwich Forest Historic District. Um, and um, I hereby adopt the rationale of the uh, stated in the staff report and uh, with the added the two added conditions about uh, um, providing a sample board with the mortar joints color texture striking um, and uh, that the foundation at the rear is continuous and not peers as stated in the re staff report do I hear a second Commissioner Clements, I second. All in favor um, say Actually, uh, one, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, yes. Chair. Uh, one of the other things that was mentioned by multiple commissioners was um, undertaking alterations to the rear elevation. Um, does the commission want to delegate those revisions to staff? Would they like them to be presented as, as a staff item at a future HPC meeting? Um, I, I think that should be addressed because they've been encouraged to revise them, but haven't been given a path forward. Oh, it's, that's a valid point. Um, um, well, I think they're going to have to, because I don't, like you said, I don't think it's buildable necessarily. If you could turn your mic on. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think it's going to happen regardless of whether we require it or not, because I don't think what they're showing is actually buildable. So I don't know if that, um, can we put some vague condition into the, to the motion that they, that they revise it and 
run it by staff? Yeah, I, I think that um, you certainly have the authority to delegate final review and approval authority to staff for the rear elevation. I mean, you could just, uh, that could be a friendly amendment sort of writ large and then amongst the regulatory staff, we would review the permit drawings to make sure that um, it's consistent with sort of the spirit of the approval and, and the proposal, um, but also something that would pass DPS muster and, and be buildable. Okay, so I'd like to make a friendly amendment that the rear facade be uh, re-examined re for constructability and aesthetics and the revised facade be approved by staff prior to passing it on for permit. I don't know what the, is that enough? Yes. Okay. okay. Commissioner Radu, do you accept the friendly amendment? I do accept the friendly amendment. Okay, all in favor say aye. 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 Are there any in opposition? Then this hop is approved and thank you very much for all your hard work and for working with staff so diligently. We do appreciate it and we appreciate it when a project really is improved to this degree and it'll be a, a great success when you're complete. And you can talk to staff about working with them about the bat rear elevation, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, moving on, we have a preliminary, preliminary 3A at 8000 Hamden Lane, Bethesda. Um, let me see this. Um, never had any. Is there a there is there a staff report? Yes, there is a staff report. Please, thank you. Uh, good evening. This is uh, the staff report for the preliminary consultation at 8000 Hampton Lane in Bethesda. We're actually staying in the same district. We're still in Greenwich Forest. Uh, the house was constructed in 1937. Um, it's a contributing resource to the Greenwich Forest Historic District, and again reviewed under. Uh, the district guidelines, Chapter 24A, and the Secretary of the Interior Standards. Um, this was a, an advertisement before the house was readdressed. Um, it, as built, it was 7300 Hampton Lane, and I found uh, a couple of advertisements from 1937 advertising its open house uh, and its sale uh, the subsequent week. Again, uh, the district was developed in the 30s as an auto-dependent suburb. The 69 houses are into three categories, including Colonial Revival, Two Revival, and French Eclectic. Um, and the district, again, was ad added to the master plan in 2011. Um, you can see from the aerial where the access point to the lot was historically, and then it entered into the attached garage, um, which was long since uh, enclosed for interior space. So just to walk around the property, this is along Hamden Lane. Uh, again, it's oriented towards the intersection. Um, we actually saw this as a hop for uh, revisions to uh, what was a side porch, which was subsequently enclosed. Again, walking around the house, you see to the left here is, is the area where the proposed building is uh, discussed. And again, walking further, uh, this is a, a non-historic addition as well, um, put on by previous owners, and then again walking around further. Uh, the 
their rear property line is actually the end of the district, so these houses are um, outside of the historic district. And then this is looking from further back uh, up, up York Lane. So the proposal is to construct uh, an accessory building which will serve as a two-car garage with um, workspace and office above. Um, it's set directly off of the existing parking pad, uh, set back 15 feet from the York Lane right-of-way, and it's 19 feet off of the rear property line. Um, which is just, just what that goes on to say. Um, the reason that it has to be set 19 feet from the property line is that it's 38 foot length requires an additional 14 feet of setback from the, the rear property line to, com to comply with zoning. Um, and that puts it just under 10 feet from the rear corner of the historic building. Uh, so the building will be just under 20 feet tall, 19 feet 8 inches. Um, again, it's 24 feet wide and 38 feet uh, long and, and will be uh, a full two stories in the rear and then a, a half story with storage proposed for the front. Um, we had a number of perspectives that were submitted with the application. Uh, Greenwich Forest is a district that allows the HPC to consider vegetative screening and uh, the site plans include some screening uh, from between the, the house and the right-of-way or the, or the accessory structure in the right-of-way and the accessory structure in the house. Um, additionally, uh, in a, an earlier meeting with staff, um, we expressed our, our concerns that the, um, the proposed accessory structure was too massive and um, considerations of simplifying the roof form should be included. And they provided uh, sort of two schemes here where the um, gable dormers had been removed from the roof. So staff finds that the design guidelines are generally silent on detached garages except for their overall lot coverage, which um, and staff's interpretation should result in one of two outcomes. Either the review should be reviewed under the guidelines for additions, or the garage should be considered one of the categories of work that states any permit sought for any situation not specifically covered by these principles and guidelines shall be deemed to have an insignificant effect on the historic resource and must be approved by the decision-making body. Um, but staff finds that these guidelines that waive all review of detached garages but applies moderate scrutiny to attached garages is not an intended consequence by the drafters. Um, regardless, Chapter 24A also applies to the review of this, so we're not just beholden to the design guidelines. So staff finds that the garage placement is incompatible with the settlement pattern of the district as it will visually crowd the historic house and is too close to the street. Again, it's only 15 feet set back from the right-of-way on York Lane. Um, and just a reminder, the historic district was established to preserve a neighborhood well-known for its extraordinary landscape, finely designed and sited houses, and overall beauty. And while staff finds the proposed structure is smaller than the guideline maximum, staff finds the large... Uh, the large, a large amount of the structure will be visible from the Hampton-York intersection and detracts from the character of the district. Staff is concerned that the garage massing creates an appearance that is too large to be compatible with the character of the district. And it, at the 15-foot setback along York Lane, because it's a front gable, the garage presents as a 19-foot, 8-inch wall. Uh, the applicant provided two roof designs, one with dormers and the other without, to show a slight reduction in the roof's mass. And the, even though staff finds the size placement and massing of the proposal is not compatible with the character of the site and the surrounding district, staff finds that the lot is large enough to accommodate additional construction on the lot. Um, so staff requests feedback from the HPC regarding three primary elements, um, whether or not the HPC concurs with staff's finding on the placement, size, and massing of the proposed garage, 
recommended revisions the HPC would support and alternative solutions that could receive an approved HOP. And I will answer any questions that the commissioners have at this point. Does, are there any questions for staff from the commissioners? Or are you just all digesting all of this? Commissioner Doman. Commissioner Doman. Are there any other houses in the area, Greenwich Village, that have a similar large detached garage? I mean, this uh, thing is very big, and I'm just curious if, 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 if there are other ones like this in the area. Well, so there, there are several. Um, the the um, staff report included two. Um, both of them actually have Hampton Lane addresses. Uh, but in, in one instance, it is behind the house. It's um, an interior lot, so um, it's set back, I think, 23 feet from the, the right-of-way. Uh, and then the, the second one that was included is actually a side-projecting addition. Um, it was sort of separated by, it's a one-and-a-half-story garage, which is attached to the house by sort of a one-story side gable hyphen. Um, and that was actually the first hop in Greenwich Forest that was presented to the HPC. So there have been um, large garages or additions, um, but there have been site-specific considerations that have gone into that evaluation. Um, you know, we haven't seen one that, we saw one that was, was attached um, to the, the house and was reviewed under a moderate scrutiny review, um, but we haven't seen one that projects beyond the, the plane of the garage in quite this manner. Um, this is Commissioner Burt. Maybe I'm just, maybe it's, I'm just being a little dense here, but um, I'm getting a little confused on, oh, wait a minute, hold on, 7828 Hamden Lane? That's correct, and, and actually the, the applicant has a proposal uh, or as a presentation, and both of those properties are also included in um, that presentation. Okay. So what I'm seeing is a whole separate property, not the same property. So, so the, the applicant and uh, the application materials included um, sort of a, an evaluation of what properties have garages um, that have been added subsequent to their construction. Uh, again, all of the houses in Greenwich Forest were originally constructed with attached garages. Um, being the easiest space to incorporate into the interior of the house, a lot of those have been lost. And, and property owners over the years have built both attached and detached garages uh, throughout the district. I think more than, more than half of the houses have a, um, a later garage addition or detached garage constructed. Can I ask a question? Commissioner Doman, please. Yes. <laughs> okay, there's, I'm looking at the, I guess this is the report where we, maybe the applicant, or did you do this, with all the different examples of nearby houses that have attached garages or detached garages. That was, that was included in the application materials. Okay, so it's a lot of, lot of information there. Were any of these reviewed uh, as a hop? So uh, th there were two. Um, again, 7828 Hampton 
And then um, give me one second and I can identify uh, the address of the second one. Um, um, I'm sorry, 7817 Hampton Lane was the first hop submitted um, to the HPC and, and reviewed in 2012. Okay. On 7828 Hampton, the garage, in the, in the picture on page 22, it's a large garage that sits way back. Um, were there any significant discussions about this? And this was done under HOP then. So do, Correct. We have, do we have a history of what was discussed for this particular one? And obviously it must have got approved because it's built. It, it was approved. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was heard in, in the end of 2017. Um, there was a, this actually, this house had um, incorporated its historic garage into interior space and had a non-historic attached garage added to it. The attached garage was demolished as part of the house rehabilitation and a rear addition was constructed, which you can't see from the public right-of-way. And this um, two-story garage, which uh, I think is 690 square feet, was constructed in the rear of the property. There were two, what was the other? Yeah, 7817 was, Hampton was the, the first um, oh. hop reviewed in the district. And um, that's on page 21 of, of the application. And what you see circled in red, there's sort of that, that side gable, one story side gable hyphen that attaches to the one and a half story gambrel uh, side loading garage. So that was, that was a, a new construction that was but reviewed. it's attached. It's attached, yes. Yeah. Okay, thanks. And, and uh, if, if you'd like to refer to it, uh, the whole staff report for um, that hop is included in the, um, at the very end of your um, staff report. I think it's the last 70 pages or, or something because, because it also had um, multiple preliminary consultations and that was back in the day when we had word-for-word uh, -word transcripts of our meetings taken. Commissioner Burdett, um, if they put the house completely behind, if they put the garage, I'm sorry, put the garage completely behind the house, they would still have to stay off the property line, the, four, I mean, 14 feet, right? It's, it's an additional 14 feet from the five-foot setback. So... Um, it would have to be 19 feet off of the rear property line for an accessory structure that is 38 feet long. And if they reduce the size of it? If they reduce the length every two feet shorter, they can put it two feet closer to, to the, the property line. I see. Um, and I'm looking at the site plan, um, page one of one of the site plan, which is right after all the photographs. Um, Um, 309 of 485. It's one of one of the drawing sheet. Um, so, I'm sorry, or maybe page 40, maybe the concept plan is a better one. So, if they just push that to the left more behind the house, then it wouldn't be as visible from the 
street from Hamden Lane and from the intersection, correct, if it was just hidden back behind the house? It, yes, it would be less visible. But it would also, like, take up all of their backyard in the process. Correct. Okay. Um, any other questions for staff? If not, we'll ask the applicants to give their presentation. Um, and we have Adam Sherwood. Yeah, hello. Hi, thanks hey. for letting us... Okay, if you, yeah, if you guys will identify yourself, make sure your mics are on, identify mm -hmm. yourself and your relationship to the project, please. Sure, are you able to hear me well enough? Yeah, yeah. we're good. So I'm Adam Sherwad, and this is Chen Yan Lau, and this is Mariam Tabrici, who's our architect. We're the applicants on both sides and architect in the middle. And would you like to make a presentation? Yeah, we yes. have one today, and I think they're preloaded. We're just queuing it up for yeah. you. One moment. It's okay. And how long did they... They have seven? Seven minutes. Seven minutes, okay. Great, thanks very much. So and would you be able to drive this for us? We certainly can. Okay, Just thanks. let us know next slide. So we can go to the next slide, please. So this proposal is for a single accessory structure consisting of a detached two-car garage with space for a workshop. The proposed design of the accessory structure addresses current Montgomery County building requirements as well as principles that were delineated in the Greenwich Forest Historic District Guidelines. Um, adding an accessory structure with the two-car garage would be consistent with the neighborhood and allow us to secure our cars. Next slide, please. Based on our assessment of 63 contributing homes in Greenwich Forest, 26 have garages visible from the street. Seven of the 26 garages are original and 19 have been added. 14 are attached and 12 are detached. Eight are one-car garages and 18 are two-car garages, and several have attached living space. Garage doors are visible from the road on 24 of the 26 structures, and five garages, two one-car and three two-car were added after Greenwich Forest became historic. And we have a full summary provided at the end of our slide set. Next slide, please. So we did review prior approved Greenwich Forest HAWP applications to ensure that the design and scope of our proposal would be consistent with others previously endorsed by the HPC. Um, not included on this slide, but what we think is important to note is that Greenwich Forest guidelines define the front elevation or facade as the view of the main portion of a house, not including side porches from the public right of way facing the front door. For stipulation B4 of the guidelines, property owners have additional flexibility to make more extensive changes to the parts of their houses that are less visible from the public rights of way in front of their houses. The limited portion of the detached structure that will be visible from a front-facing view will be obscured with plantings, including bushes and trees. The structure will be compatible with the style and building materials of the original house and preserve the outline of the original house as a recognizable entity. The ridge line of the structure will be lower than that of the house and the garage door is not visible from the front of the house. I also wanted to walk through the um, positioning of the driveway, which begins at the end of a dead end street, York Lane, with no car traffic and very limited foot traffic. Next slide, please. So the small diagram at the right corner shows the intersection of York and Hamden Lanes. The open circle is the dead end of York Lane, and the closed black oval is our home at 8000 Hamden Lane. The photo of York Lane is included to more clearly show that the structure will be situated towards the rear of the lot with plans to further obscure the visible portion of the structure with additional plantings. 
Next slide, please. Here we're providing an example of a detached garage on the left with living space and an attached garage with living space on the right, both of which are visible from the street and were approved after the neighborhood became historic. Next slide, please. So I understand that looking at this, this may appear to be an apples to oranges comparison. We're providing these examples to demonstrate that substantial changes to the facade of historic homes in Greenwich Forest have been approved and that our request for a detached structure in the rear of our lot will have a much less significant visual impact. Next slide, please. As Mr. Brukert had pointed out, we did have a preliminary meeting with Montgomery Planning and he did provide us with comments to consider. Um, one of the main comments was to provide a rationale for the location of the accessory structure. And our rationale involves a number of things, including minimizing new and permeable hardscaping and conserving green space, Moving this structure closer to the fence line poses problems as the area next to the fence forms a natural waterway in heavy storms. We also wanted to maintain the aesthetics and functionality of the main house, which was just fully renovated. And attaching the garage to the home would require substantially reconfiguring the design of the house and directly impact its original facade. The placement of an accessory structure farther into the backyard would require substantially more hardscaping and would significantly impact the views from the large windows in the backyard. Next slide, please. So these are just uh, views that we have from the office and from the kitchen. These are rear-facing windows. And if we position the structure further in, in the yard, obviously it would have a large visual impact. Next slide, please. Another comment that was provided was to consider simplifying the roof design and decreasing its apparent mass. And based on this suggestion, we're providing the following two potential design options for the HPC's input, the original design and an alternative design. Next slide, please. This is the original design. The red arrows in the upper right figure point to the dormers. And the next slide, please. In this alternative design, the dormers have been removed to decrease the apparent massing. And next slide, please. So that's the end of the presentation. We appreciate you allowing us to speak today and happy to answer any questions. Are there any questions for the applicant? Commissioner Galway. Commissioner Galway, I've got one question. Do you actually have an image that shows the detached structure from Hamden Lane? It, it, it seems like all the other, it's hard to, hard to really get a sense of how much beyond uh, the existing home that actually projects. We have some uh, site drawings here. Our architect, Miriam, can give them to you if you'd like to see them. I also have copies of the presentation, if that would be helpful for anyone, because you can have the summary slide with all the, the stats at the end. If you'd like, I can pass those out. Commissioner Galway. Page 315 of the report show uh, has the image of the garage, but it is obscured by the planting. That's about as, yeah, I was, okay, fair enough. Thank you. Um, 
Commissioner Galway, do you have any other questions? No, I don't. Not yet. Does anybody else have any questions? Commissioner Radu. Um, I see in the section that the, the new structure, the proposed structure is almost 20 feet. Do you have, a, I mean, from this sketches, it's not clear the, the section of the house that's closest to the garage, what's the height of that? Commissioner Radu, just to, to clarify on, on the, the screen, you're looking for the height of that ridge? Yes. yes. We don't have that height. But definitely. Right. <laughs> Definitely, that's more than 20 feet. Not by much, because it's still like, it seems like 10, 12 foot facade plus the roof, whatever that, it's a probably a little steeper roof from what it looks there, but. It should, it should be closer to 25, I assume. There's a second floor in that, so it's a two story structure, so it has to have enough room for two floors. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for the question. Commissioner Doman? Yes, Commissioner Doman. Um, I tend to agree with staff that this garage detached dwelling unit, whatever you want to call it, is extremely large. However, it seems to, it seems to overpower its purpose. Um, the way it fits in with the house seems rather rather large, a large mass being added on to everything. But following up on your inclusion of the houses at 7817 and 7828, it appears as if other people have done something similar. And it appears as if they have been approved through the Historic Preservation Commission. Um, I don't really. I don't really like the mass of this, but I'm a little bit hard-pressed to, to find a, a grounds for objection to it, though. I guess that's where I stand. Do you have a question, though? A question? Oh, I'm sorry. Is there any way you can make this thing smaller? <laughs> um, uh, this is Commissioner Burdett, um, sticking to the questions. Um, so this is a two-car garage with a workshop and an office on the second floor. Um, what is the workshop for? Just It's for my tools. Um, actually, the second floor will be used for tools also. So I do um, work to fix up the house, and I fixed up my other house. So I have like a table saw, a couple of chop saws, I have some um, like torches and mm -hmm. things that are used for common maintenance of historic homes. For example, if you will need to cut long boards or do molding, you need that kind of space to fix uh, copper. I usually use an acetylene torch. If you have to cut, you have to use oxyacetylene. And these things need space and ventilation. So we, we really needed a space for that activity. It won't be used as an office. And did you look at putting a basement under this garage to kind of 
get it out of the way? Um, you know, the, the tools are currently in the basement, and it's very difficult to use them. So there have been repairs that have been postponed because uh, it, it takes at least two people to carry some of these tools upstairs, and they don't fit through one door. You'd have to have double doors and a space to roll them out. So it, I have been trying to use the basement. I made every effort to use the basement of the current home, and, and it's, it's not really feasible. Um, but we you, did consider that. <laughs> have you considered breaking the two uses into two separate accessory dwellings? Oh, like, can you elaborate on that a little further? Like, I did consider it, but I was told that that wasn't a good idea. I um, think I can't. I can't tell if it's a good idea or permittable even. But mm -hmm. just having the garage doing its function because it would be a lot smaller, and then having your work work shed area away from it, hidden from view, so it just you've got two structures instead of one, and they're separated. One is behind the house, and the other one is just a lot less massive and isn't crowding the big house. I, I don't know. Um, I think, I mean, if, if you're asking us a question, I think the main concern is that we're trying to keep the structure as much as we can closer, you know, to use the allowable boundaries from the county, not historic, but the no. county allowable boundaries, so we can conserve the green space in the yard. Okay. All right. Um, Oh, and with the, the tree plantings that are supposed to screen this, will you be putting in, like, mature trees, mature shrubbery? We will put in whatever trees you'd like us to put in. <laughs> you name it, we'll put it in. <laughs> it's just that things take a while to grow, so even if you have a fast-growing shrub, it's not going to completely screen the, the building unless you put in some fairly mature shrubbery, and even then it's going to take some time. So it will be visible... And it should be an evergreen, or otherwise, every winter it's going to lose its leaves. Um, but questions? Any other questions from any other commissioners? No? All right. Um, we are now at the deliberate or at the commentary stage. Does any, would anybody like to lead off? Commissioner Haynes. Uh, thank you. Um, just a few points. Uh, the the commission looks like looks at each project uh, on a individual basis. Uh, we don't necessarily look at precedent, although it's helpful. But we look at each case on an individual merit. Um, I personally don't think it's a problem to uh, for the garage to be seen from uh, York Street. Um, I, I think the real issue here for myself uh, is the massing. Um, I think, and I appreciate um, doing a lot of home repair myself and having table saws and chop saws and things like that. <laughs> Unfortunately, I only have a one car garage and I can barely fit it in there. But um, um, I think I think the the width. Uh, is is too close. It's too too wide. It's too close to the main house. Um, I think the facade facing the yard with the shed dormer certainly competes, if not overwhelms, the um, part of the house with the the bay window. 
it appears that they're almost the same height um, or very close to it. So, so I think um, if, if you could shorten it, uh, the width, I think that's going to help. That would uh, push it, allow you to push it farther away from the main house and, and it won't feel so um, sort of competing or pinched to the, to the main house. Uh, the alternate design that you propose, eliminating a few s small dormers doesn't change the massing um, at all. Um, so, you know, I'm, I appreciate that you're matching materials. I assume that's brick um, and, and, you know, the this, this scale uh, in, in terms of the forms of the, of the garage, I think, are complementary, but I think it's just too large at the moment, and it could use to be uh, trimmed down. Um, maybe, obviously, you have a two-car garage. You can use, when you're doing work, you can pull a car out, work in there. Um, I, I don't think there'd be any functional uh, loss to reduce the size of, the footprint size of this uh, structure. Otherwise, I'm generally in favor of the placement. I, I, it, we have to have access off York Road. I think that's fine. I don't mind that we see it from uh, ha the view from Hamden Lane, although, again, uh, whether it's screened or not, um, I think, I think it's, it's a large structure and um, does overwhelm the backyard and will overwhelm the backyard and, and certainly competes with the, the main house. Thank you. Commissioner Redu. I agree with the Commissioner Haynes. Um, there is, I, I actually think the location, I, I'm not, I'm in favor of the location and I'm looking at the Google Maps. I didn't get a chance to drive by your property, but I'm looking at Google Maps and as you pointed out, this is a dead end, York is a dead end street. So, and as I think staff mentioned that this is at the end of the, um, the historic district. So um, with those two in mind, I'm a little more, um, I'd be a little more lenient in uh, reviewing it, um, but, but it does seem a little large. So if you could reduce it, because I am concerned about this, um, that section of the house being almost the same height and volume um, as the proposed addition. Any other commission comments? Commissioner Pelletier. Thank you. Um, my issue was I do think it's too big, um, but everybody said that. I don't feel the need to stress that point. Um, I have an issue with the placement and uh, the not, maybe if you made it smaller, it, that would kind of take care of the issue. But in the site plan and looking at what you, us. It it just doesn't appear the the new accessory dwelling building does not appear to really have any relationship with the existing house. You've kind of put it where you can put it, where you can fit it. You have existing uh, curb cut, and I understand some of that. I think if you made it smaller and and there was some sort of relation to the corners or something it just in your in your renderings and in the in the plan it 
it looks like there was more attention given to the design of the building and more of a, a default position about where it would go. And so I would like to see just a little more thought given to how the two relate to one another on the site. Um, I mean, maybe you did, you know, give it some thought. Obviously you did, because these drawings are great. But I, but I just feel like there, there hasn't, there's something about the way the corners react with one another, and it's sort of a big box, and it, I'm going to put it here because the driveway is here. There just isn't, it doesn't really speak to the, build, to the house next to it. So I would like to see a little more focus on that. And like I said, I think, the, I think making it smaller, um, I don't have an issue with its position away from the street. Like I, I, it is close to the street, but as um, Commissioner Radu said, it's a dead end and it's the end of the historic district. But I would like, I would like the garage to talk to the house a little bit, and I don't feel like it does. I feel like it's plopped there so that you have some extra space and a place to put your cars, but it would be nice to see a more holistic um, treatment of the house and the garage. So thank you. Commissioner Doman. Yes, Commissioner Doman. Um, I understand your um, woodworking issues. I mean, I'm a carpenter, retired, and I use my garage because I don't have a nice workshop. But I know what you mean by going down the basement. It's an impossible task. You can't get stuff down there. And if you build something, you can't get it out. So it's all kinds of problems. But is the, is the second floor really a necessity for you? I mean, there are, I understand the garage for the cars, I understand the workshop, but you put in an office and storage space up here. Is that second floor a necessity that you could not lower the roof or do something else? Because that rear-facing dormer looks very large to me, and it, it just looks, uh, like other people have said, it doesn't seem to match with the house. And I was wondering if, if you could just say, I'm gonna put an office in the house, and the storage, you, if you have a basement underneath the house, maybe the storage would be okay underneath. But um, I, I could go for the workshop in the garage. I understand that. But I don't really, it seems to me you could get by without having an office and a storage. So that would be one thing you could look at. So it's a comment. Thank you for that comment. I've lived um, much of my life without things that are conveniences. So. So your question about what's a necessity, I, I have to say, um, you know, many things we have are not necessities, but they are things that we would like. And, and I could definitely survive without a second floor. And if I were able to have that extra space behind the garage to use as a workshop, I, I would make do with that. I was going to move the metalworking stuff upstairs and then have the woodworking things downstairs. But you know, that, that's a luxury, as you said, you've worked with, you know, less space. So I could do that. And, and I think having, you know, if we were allowed to have the existing footprint and not build the second floor, that we could, we could work with that. Um, th this is Commissioner Burdett. I think I'll, it looks like I'm going to be, oh, Commissioner Galway has a comment. I'll let him go first. I do. Um, I, under, I certainly understand what you're trying to achieve, and I think if I was in your shoes, also being a woodworker and also having a, a, a garage, 
uh, and needing needing to park there, I would probably be wanting to do the same thing. So I, I certainly am sympathetic to that. Um, I look at, at the image, the, sort of the uh, three-dimensional image on your sheet 314, and, and, and my response kind of in my mind is, oh my, because I think also I kind of agree that the, the size, the massing, the orientation, it just doesn't feel right. And, and I, I don't think my concern would be off of York. I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think that's the issue. It's almost like if you could pull it away from the house a little bit, it, it almost reads as it could be attached, and, and that's, that's a problem for the existing home. So now I assume that you set it back off of York enough that you could pull a car out and, and sit it uh, in front of the garage while you, maybe you used or worked inside, and I don't know if there's any opportunity. I'm less concerned about it being seen from the front as I am the fact that it may appear as if it's connected to the home from the front. And so I don't know if there's anything that you could do there, but I agree with the rest of the commissioners. Anything we could do to reduce the size a little bit, the massing, because it is competing with, with the home, and that, that I think that just seems to be a little problematic. Thank you. Could we ask you, do you have thoughts about the orientation or ways to make it more holistic? You had mentioned that. Like, do you... I, I know that's not your job to do that, but I was just wondering if, if, if you had any ideas. Oh, uh, I think actually Commissioner Radu may have a thought on that. Well, <laughs> I was just thinking on the, um, if, you, if you want, um, maybe you can switch the slide. Um, which, which slide? Which, um, which slide would you like to see, Commissioner? Page, I mean, like the where aerial where you can see that the back of the property. Page I mean, the three uh, on my oh, this one, yes. Okay, um, thank you. So, I was wondering if like you would not have this cross gable section of the roof and just have like the gable, the front of the garage being similar with the back of, I mean, the back of the house being of the addition being similar with the front, so really that, then having this cross gable at least would simplify a little bit of the volume and will keep the building, the addition, away from, at least the second floor, keep it away from the, um, the main house. Uh, that, that would definitely reduce the workable space in the second floor there, but um, I'm sure you could have some, I mean, in terms of lighting, you know, you could have like skylights or other things you would still. Uh, definitely we can eliminate the second floor workshop office slash office space and kind of make it a little smaller uh, as uh, we spoke and make those adjustments to make the rear of the parking garage similar to the front of it. And that definitely decreases the, massing um, and impacts on the amount of the massing. We'll, look in, we'll have a closer look on the heights as you uh, had a question, just to make sure that the existing house for next time, hopefully, will provide you with the right height of the existing rooftop on the house. Uh, and we'll make sure definitely that we are uh, below that. Maybe you could push a, a continuous dormer out the backside you know, the whole, the whole backside yeah. of the room. I was just thinking oh, about yeah. that, yeah. Yeah. Put it in a, on, on the back. If, you, if, if you don't have the cross gable, you just have the one straight gable, mm -hmm. the side of the 
the roof that faces your back neighbors, put a shed dormer across the entire back of that because then you would have the height you want on that second floor and it wouldn't be visible mm -hmm. from the street. Understood. Okay, sure. so that would give you the height okay. that you, the, 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 at least half of the your space. upstairs would yes. be functional. Sure. And you could have a band of windows back right. there. So bumping it out the back. Yeah, mm -hmm. no cross gable, nothing on the front. It's all on the back. Understood. Would that would that make the current footprint more acceptable if we if we didn't have that massing issue? I think or we'd have to see it? some some um, more renderings or or at least three dimensional models, uh, exonometrics or kind of what you've done here, uh, maybe roughly but not quite so beautifully rendered, but at least get an idea of how this is all playing out. Um, I'm going to give you my <clears throat> my thoughts because I'm agreeing with everything everybody said. A corner lot, the, the problem with corner lots is you get this fabulous front yard. I mean, your front yard's really nice and it, and it frames the house beautifully, but it pinches the backyard and absolutely you don't get side yards. So you, it's a trade-off. Um, now, as the historic commission we we want to make sure that the historic house is given the space it needs to really present itself the way it was intended and that's why we're, we're we're bothering you or arguing with you about the mass of the building because it's competing with the historic house and if the house wasn't actually on a diagonal you could put an attached garage on that could be subservient to the house behind it like a lot of your examples are and that's not what's happening here and that's our that's the problem you're having and we're having with it is it's it's a you are building something that's almost as big as your house and plopping it right beside it close enough that you could literally throw a, a ball out one window and hit the side of your house and that's too close with that out with it not being attached and it being at an angle makes it even worse so you just we just talked about the one single you know pitched roof with a dormer off the back okay and i don't know what direction that is if that's you know northeast southwest um or that your you know your, your view out those windows um another thought i had because i was thinking about the mass of this and garage shapes um you know over on connecticut avenue there's a series of garages that are just little square boxes that are right beside the house and some of them get kind of decorative um, but that I'm not sure would work here because again you have the house at this diagonal to this little box so then I was looking at it and thinking well if the garage is just where it is but you take the workshop portion of it and rotate it around as an almost separate attached addition to the garage like just yeah that workshop portion so you're basically reducing the mass of the of the larger building by breaking it into two connected sections okay and i'm not sure what the roof would do but it would it would reduce the overall mass it would it would help pull that that point of of closeness away simply because in it would be a little bit further away from the corner of the house. You'd have two corners, but not this protruding mass. Um, 
And you would you would have the opportunity then to create a, a covered walkway in front of this mass. You know, the back would be up against the property line, but maybe facing the house. You would have an arcaded kind of roof of roof overhang that you could actually function with and have wider doors. Um, so something that's just a thought looking at this. I mean, does, does any of this make any sense? Some <laughs> like, of it makes sense. Okay. It, um, but I didn't understand the part about having the overhang and where that would be and putting larger doors. Well, if you, if you, if you rotate this workshop portion 90 degrees, okay. Yeah, I got that. And, and at that point, the length can kind of, you know. It's just kind of sideways. Sideways. So the longer side is along York. Along towards the house. Oh, the, the longer side. The, the, lo the longer side of the workshop, if it's rotated, oh. is along the property line. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like you could, if you could, if you could, yeah, it becomes an L shape. It becomes an L shape. So then you have this longer front facing the back of your house. Mm -hmm. And if you extended the roof plane over that, extended out, you'd have a little bit of a shed. And that would be less visible from Hampton. It wouldn't even, I don't think it'd yeah, be visible at all. Right, so you'd see it more on end. Uh, yeah, uh, and it would be a one-story story. Yeah, it'd be a one-story structure. But with the, of the same size footprint just rotated? You, you, you might want to massage that, but it's, I mean, just look at, look at it from a, like a massing standpoint, yeah. see if it works. She's the expert Yeah, the that. architect's looking at me like, oh, no, I don't know about this, but, <laughs> but any, so, but you understand what our issue is with right. this, okay. Yes. So the mass, the footprint and the mass of this garage workshop structure has to be minimized in some manner so it is no longer competing with the house. And if that's in, in square footage, if it's in the roof, you know, not having a full second floor up there but just having a roof line, Definitely, I think the cross gable is not working. I think you've got another option there with a shed dormer off the back. Um, but again, it needs to be a subservient mass and appearance to the the main house. And I and you're going to need to do some you know 3D modeling just to see how that's going to work because we can see what's going on with this with with these images right now, and that makes it much easier to understand than if, you know, a, an elevation isn't going to quite pull it off. Um, oh, Commissioner Pelletier has another comment. Yes. Um, I was just going to sort of simplify my thoughts here. I think the more we talk about taking the second floor off, um, the more I think this would work in it. In the, I mean, I, I think your ideas are interesting about changing the footprint, but if you didn't want to change the footprint, just looking at the renderings and my comment before about it not really working with the house, I think part of that is that it's coming across as a little house. It's not coming across as a garage. And so if it was a one-story garage with this footprint, it would automatically become subservient to the house. It wouldn't be competing. It wouldn't have all of these bells and whistles and gables on it. It would be, there's the house. There's the garage. Even if it's a two-story garage that's 
this footprint, I think it would just read smaller and sort of go away. That's my opinion, is that you could conceivably keep the footprint, and if you made it a one-story structure, I think, I think that would largely take care of a lot of our concerns. Um, but yes, we'd have to see renderings and see if that would actually do it, but, I, but that's my opinion. Thank you. Okay, thanks, that's helpful. All right, I think if we've uh, belabored this enough, um, we've given you our opinion, um, and the staff will talk with you about, they'll, they'll take all these comments down and give them to you and talk with you about how to move forward, and we hope that between you and the staff that you can come up with something that will come back to us as an approvable hop. But thank you for your time and for uh, an interesting project and conversation tonight. Thank Great. You. Thanks very much Thank for your you. time. You. Really appreciate it. Okay. okay, we're moving on to our second preliminary, uh, 3B at 7300 Holly Avenue, Tacoma Park. And if uh, those applicants could come forward, we'll get the staff report as well. And, okay, is there a staff report on this pre preliminary? Uh, yes, there is, Madam Chair, give me one second. Uh, this is the staff report for a preliminary consultation to the house at 7300 Holly Avenue in the Tacoma Park Historic District. Uh, it was constructed circa 1918 with a 1980s addition. It is designated as an outstanding resource to the Tacoma Park Historic District. This is to be reviewed under 24A, the Tacoma Park Design Guidelines and the Secretary of the Interior Standards for Rehabilitation. So the applicant proposes to construct a ground floor addition off of the left elevation, which is off of this 1980s non-historic addition. Just to familiarize yourself with the property, um, on Holly Avenue, there's a retaining wall at the sidewalk and the grade rises up. You can see the left side of the house here and the right side and the front. There's a one bay historic garage along the shared driveway on the right side of the house. And again, this, this projecting bay on the right side of the house is a non-historic element. Again, this is the left side of the house. You see uh, the fence line and this large oak tree, I believe it's 38 inches in diameter breast height. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, and then this is from sort of the garage area looking towards the house. Um, again, you know, 1980s edition, and then this is the rear. Um, Underneath the leaves is a, a flagstone patio, and you can just make out the, the large tree on the right side here. Um, so this is a site plan, uh, Holly Avenue down here. Again, slate patio, oak tree. Um, when I was out to do my site visit, there was a family of deer back here who were very energetic. I didn't get any of uh, photos of them in my site visit. So the proposal here, um, it has a, a full bath on the ground floor, which we'll get into in, in our discussion. Um, and an office space and a breakfast area. And the proposal is to um, 
demolish this wall and, and project out and create a full suite um, with an accessible bathroom, again, that projects out to the left. Um, here we see it from the front elevation. Again, this is all new. And then at the rear, um, you know, this is not historic fabric that we'd be losing to come out wide to the side there. So Staff Finds is an outstanding resource. It is permissible to make sympathetic alterations, changes, and additions, including um, emphasizing the placement of major additions to the rear of existing structures so that they are less visible from the public right-of-way. Uh, staff finds the size, design, and proposed materials are generally compatible with the character of the house and surrounding district. And staff finds the proposal fails to satisfy the guideline that emphasizes the placement of the additions to the rear to make them less visible. Uh, staff finds there's sufficient space to the rear to accommodate the addition of the size proposal. This would require removing the existing flagstone patio on a 38-inch uh, diameter breastside oak tree. Um, staff would support bo eliminating both of those um, and, and would support um, relocating the flagstone patio as, as part of a historic area work permit. Um, so the primary questions for the HPC this evening is, does the HPC concur with staff's findings that the location proposed for the addition is incompatible with the requisite guidance? Um, are there additional considerations regarding the preservation of the side and front gamber roof forms that should be discussed for this addition? Uh, will the proposed roof form, whether on the side or to the rear, create any compatibility issues with the existing roofs, which are, um, in, in a previous discussion, we acknowledged that they were, um, I think a bit of a mess was, was how we described them with, with the number of non-historic uh, roof forms and angles that, that were created out of the back. Um, additionally, the applicants submitted some written testimony that was distributed to the commissioners as part of your, your packets and I hope you've had an opportunity to review those. I think the applicants are here and, and they can expand on those um, if needed. And with that, I will answer any questions that the commissioners have. This is Commissioner Burdett. I have a question. Um, the little bay off to the north, I guess it is, side, the right side, is that part of the 80s edition or is that older? The identified breakfast area? Yes. That's circa, that's the, the, the 80s edition, um, which predates the establishment of the district. Okay, thank you. Are there any other questions? Oh, Commissioner Pelletier, <laughs> firsthand. Uh, this is Commissioner Pelletier. Um, just for my own, I'm assuming that the original house ends at the dining room and kitchen. We know that for sure. Um, I've I've pulled the Sanborn maps and and that looks to be the approximate termination of of the the rear. There was a um, in the Sanborns they show a, a partial width one story porch off off the rear and that looks to be in the approximate location there. Um, based on based on the Sanborns, that is the rear wall plane of of the of historic the, house. Okay, just the separation between the house and the garage looked to be. Uh, appropriate. Okay, so the addition is adding on to an 80s addition. Correct. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Commissioner Doman. Did you have? Uh, yes. Thank you, it's Commissioner Doman. Um, I have to ask the 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 letter from the applicant um, identified a a family need for this particular addition to be put onto the house, and based upon criteria that we have in front of us and based upon our staff's recommendations, 
it appears as if um, it's not acceptable. But my question would be to staff, um, is there such a thing in, as a hardship uh, exemption for some of these regulations? I vaguely remember that we had uh, some financial exemptions on some window replacements, and I was wondering if, if an exemption from this criteria would be something that we could consider. So um, I believe it's 24A8B4, and I'm sorry that didn't make it into um, the staff report in, in its entirety, and I can pull that up for you uh, shortly. But it, it says effectively that um, homeowners should not be denied reasonable use of their property. Um, so um, that is um, broadly worded for a reason. Um, staff takes no position in a preliminary consultation as to whether or not that should be applied to the subject property. Um, you know, that is a, a finding of fact for the commissioners. Um, and um, staff doesn't find that that constitutes a hardship because that's typically an economic provision. Um, and while staff recognizes that constructing an addition off the rear of the property would be more complicated and more costly because of the additional site work and the tree removal, um, typically there needs to be a demonstrated hardship. Um, and in most instances where we've applied that, which have been very rare, it's a sort of, um, well, you need to show us your books and demonstrate that that qualifies as a hardship. So, so there are um, additional provisions that, that would allow the HPC to otherwise find that the house is, um, that the addition proposal is not compatible with the historic character of the house, but it's otherwise acceptable. Um, so if you'll give me a minute and, and you wanna ask any other questions in the interim, I will pull up the exact wording and share that with the commission. I, I appreciate your input, thank you. Any other, Commissioner Galloway? Uh, staff mentioned relocating existing pavers. Is there any historic significance to that, and, and was that in? No, that's a, a non-historic alteration to the hardscape. All right, thanks. This is Commissioner Burdett. Removing the 30-inch tree, um, Tacoma's rather particular about their tree protection. Is that, would it be acceptable from the Tacoma Arborist point of view? Is the tree in decent shape? Is it? Uh, um, um, well, that was not um, a proposal that was presented to the, to the arborist, so they've made no finding about that tree. Um, that would require um, a different analysis by, by the arborist. And uh, again, that would require additional planting on site or, or fee in lieu as mitigation to accommodate for the loss of the tree if it were to be approved. But there are trees that are be taking, being taken out, correct? Three trees? There were three trees that were approved as part of a hop that uh, the HPC reviewed and approved earlier today as part of the site work associated with the retaining wall. Okay. Uh, so, so Commissioner Doman, just to, to answer your question, uh, 24A8B5 uh, states, the proposal is necessary in order that the owner of the subject property not be deprived of reasonable use of the property or suffer undue hardship. Thank you. Commissioner Radu. Um, this might be for the owner, but um, do you know if, uh, I mean, how, how steep the site 
it seems like it, it goes up. So having extending the addition to the back, as the guidelines might suggest, is that feasible? Well, uh, so uh, to answer the first part of your question, yes, it does gently slope up towards the rear. Um, we don't have a full topo survey of, of the site. Um, but as, a, as to the feasibility of constructing it, that's a question better directed at the applicants. Thank you. Are there any more questions for staff? If not, then we would invite the applicants to pre prepare or to present their presentation. Um, Fernando Angula, the red agent, and if you all will identify yourselves, make sure the mics are on and your relationship to the project, that would be helpful. Hi, I'm Megan Roberts. I'm one of the applicants. Uh, Patrick Roberts, one of the applicants. Okay. Gil Cohen, contractor. <laughs> Israel Sa, contractor. Thank you. And you'll have seven minutes to make a presentation, if you like, or we can just answer, you can answer questions. So what would you like to do? I have a few comments that I'd like to okay. provide. Thank Certainly. You. So first of all, I just want to thank all of you so much. Thank the commission and thank the, the planning staff. We really appreciate the opportunity to discuss both of the proposed updates um, on this property and the timing consideration that have gone into reviewing these permit applications. And thanks to the planning staff, particularly to Dan, for talking through with our team the considerations and for sharing with us the relevant standards and guidelines, which we've reviewed closely. Um, I believe commission, commission members have received an email that I shared with Dan. That email was prepared before the staff report, so it was not responding to the staff report, um, the staff report's contents. I don't want to repeat anything that's already been discussed here, so I just want to make three points reflecting both our application and, and reflecting on the staff report. First of all, this, this proposed addition would not be highly visible from the street. This is a modest addition to a long and narrow home. The addition would be about 85 feet back from the street and 14 feet above street elevation. So it would not be highly visible. It would not have a significant effect on the streetscape. We're not talking about building a skyscraper or an addition that doubles the size of the house. It's one room. It's not a major addition, so I think that's also relevant for when we're reviewing you know, the guidelines and the um, uh, standards that apply here. Um, second of all, the proposed addition was designed with the architectural structure and historic nature of the home in mind. We believe the proposal is compatible with the architectural style of the home, does not substantially alter the, its exterior features, we note that although the Secretary of Interior standards emphasize the value in placing additions on the rear of the home, from my reading and from our reading, it does not exclude weighing, um, weighing this emphasis against standards considerations that are specific to the property, such as the one I noted in my first point. We don't plan to replace any additional windows or architectures. This proposed addition, is, as was discussed, built on a, a non-historic previous addition. And in fact, you know, this proposed addition by introducing more evenly spaced windows um, onto the left side of the home arguably restores the um, previous addition to a style that's more consistent with the original architecture. We're glad that the staff review finds that the size, design, and materials are all compatible. And we're all obviously happy to revise any parts of the proposal that you feel could better reflect the historic nature and home of the streetscape. Third and finally, you know, and this was touched upon a, a bit in the earlier conversation, but when assessing, you know, this permit application, Montgomery County Code includes a provision related to reasonable use of the property that's relevant to this proposal. This was understandably omitted from the staff report. I think we were writing our contributions in parallel. But 
Chapter 24A, as, as Dan said, of the county code says that a permit should be issued if the proposal does not substantially alter the exterior features, if it's compatible with the features of the property, and importantly, if the proposal is necessary for reasonable use of the property. And this is where, as you've seen from our earlier letter, um, our family context is particularly important. Our daughter uses a wheelchair and is completely dependent on us to transition her from her wheelchair to any other settings. She's not able to independently man maneuver through the home. Placing an addition on the back of the home will require us to use an unreasonably narrow hallway in order to move her between her bedroom and the bathroom does not allow for the turning radius of her wheelchair. It is possible to have an open and accessible space for our daughter that will work for her today and in the future, and that is embodied in the proposal that we've put forward to you today. So just to sum up, the proposed addition would not substantially alter the streetscape or be highly visible. It was designed to be compatible with the original architecture and might even be improving the, an existing addition that does not align with the historic nature of the home. And finally, it's consistent with and necessary for our need as homeowners for reasonable use of a home that we have purchased. And, it, and a great and incredibly important added benefit is that it will add to the accessible housing stock in Tacoma Park. We looked for a home in Tacoma Park's historic district, which we love and where we want to stay for two and a half years. I know every house there. We went to every open house. <laughs> every single one of those homes would have put us in front of you for a request to make a house that's accessible for a little girl in a wheelchair. So I think it's really important to note that that's an important benefit to, to our community, to Tacoma Park, and to the county. Um, we thank you again for your consideration of this proposed addition. We're available to provide any additional information that might be helpful. Thank you. Do you have any other comments? Or we, can we, we'll head into asking you questions, if that's all right. All right, do any of the commissioners have any questions? Um, Commissioner Doman. Um, I uh, understand your situation, and um, <clears throat> I have read your letter that was presented to the staff and to the commission, and I understand your, <clears throat> your concerns. I also did go by the house and take a look at it. It's, uh, it's one of the nicer houses, I think, in the neighborhood. <laughs> it's, it's really, it really presents well from the street. Um, one question I have would be, how long have you owned this house? Is this something new, or have you lived here for a while? No, we actually don't live there yet. Um, so we bought it in September. Um, we can't move into the house until we um, fix the driveway and add the, the addition. Okay, well, well, the driveway is going ahead then. Yes. That's been approved. Yep. Okay. Uh, I saw the driveway. It definitely needs, <laughs> needs improvement on that. I realize that situation. I, um, <clears throat> I was questioning staff about um, what I would consider um, undue hardships placed upon the homeowner. And from my standpoint, I think, um, I think uh, we would we could find ways to do this. Is there a basement underneath this? Um, one question I have is: Is this just one story, or is there expansion underneath here? Oh, it's just one story. Just one story. The uh, commissioner Doman, the the um, I didn't include the floor plans for um, all of the levels as part of the staff report, but uh, page seventeen of the application includes existing floor plans of the basement, first and second floor. Uh, Underneath the 1980s edition is an unexcavated space. So I believe the 1980s edition is built on a slab, whereas the, the rest of the house is an excavated basement. Okay. Um, that's all the questions I have for the applicant. Thank you.
Any other questions for the applicants? Commissioner Galloway? I certainly see what you're doing with the suite, and, and did you, in trying to program that space, did you look at possibly extending it directly off the back as opposed to pushing it out to the left? And, and if so, was there reasons why that just didn't seem practical? Yeah, so there's the, the reasons that we've talked about about the outside, um, but it would also require substantial changes inside in order to work. If we, put, if we just put Lucy's room in the back of the house, we would need to use a very narrow hallway in order to transition her from the bedroom into her bathroom. And that hallway does not accommodate the turning radius of her wheelchair. So we'd have to you know, do further reconfigurations inside of the home. Uh, in addition to the wheelchair, she also uses a, a gait trainer. Um, so we're trying to get her walking as much as we can. And uh, the hallway is too narrow for the wheelchair. It's also too narrow for the uh, gait trainer. So she would not be able to enter or exit her own bedroom. So the hallway you're speaking of is, I, I'm, I'm just I'm trying to understand. I, I'm looking at your existing plan as well as the proposed addition. The hallway you're speaking of would be, what, out, off the dining room door, directly straight back? It's actually the space between the wall and the bathroom, which I think is not, it's not reflecting the, the current situation right now. I mean, right now you can open the door of the bathroom and that takes up the whole hallway. So there's no way for us to be able to maneuver her wheelchair into the bathroom. But you're, okay, and you're reconfiguring that smaller bath into a, into a handicap um, bathroom, correct? The bathroom is is accessible, is a it handicap is. accessible bathroom. The, the existing one is? The one there now, yes. Oh. oh, I see, you're changing the door swing. All right, but so so in order to in order to do that and maintain the existing left edge of the wall and extend back, you're, you'd have to reconfigure that existing toilet room to push it behind the existing toilet room. I and, think and, so. Yeah, and, I mean, we haven't done, you know, sort of looked at every option, but that probably would be the... So it'd be a much more complicated renovation is, is what I'm... A much more complicated renovation on the inside, and then again would also involve cutting down a 38-inch thick tree in Tacoma Park, um, and uh, I... I I, I wouldn't call the back the grade of the backyard steep, but it's certainly not shallow. Um, it would definitely require a fair amount of, of excavation of the existing uh, uh, soil that's there. Okay, thank you. This is Commissioner Burdett. Had you looked at um, um, con combining your dining room and kitchen into a great room that seems to be so popular right now, where the kitchen and the dining room is one large area with an island, and it's a big open space, which would then allow you to convert the breakfast room into the bedroom, the suite. Uh, that would leave so so uh, the the because of the um, slope of the property itself, uh, the driveway work is required for us to get our van up to the back door of the house. Uh, so the back door of the house that currently enters the, bed, the, the breakfast room is, would, would be the primary entrance and exit for uh, everyone coming through the house, uh, especially our daughter. Um, so putting that in her bedroom would not work. What, uh, no, I'm, I was thinking about... Oh, I see what you're saying, yeah. yeah, the, the, yeah. The, that'll be her... Yeah. The double doors, yeah. Yeah, if we, if we turn that into her bedroom, then her yeah. bedroom has the, the main exit, entrance exit. Yeah, no, I, I, I got it, yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Uh, 
Okay, um, do we have any more questions? Okay, um, then we're gonna move into basically comments from the commissioners about this plan. Um, would anybody like to start? Je Commissioner Haynes. <coughs> Thank you. Um, quite frankly, I agree with all three points of the applicant. Um, I think the addition as planned is well set back from the street, 85 feet, um, and, and the fact that the grade rises up, I think it's not affecting, certainly not affecting the streetscape or the, the neighborhood uh, feel from the sidewalk. Um, I think preserving the tree in the back is worthwhile, assuming that it's healthy. Um, I would not want to see that tree taken down as that is a character-defining feature uh, of Tacoma Park and the streetscape, so I value the tree. Um, I think this, from a planning perspective, makes sense for them functionally. Uh, I also feel that the roof line as a one-story addition with a hipped roof um, doesn't compete with the historic resource. Uh, I don't know that there is another roof form that would be better. There's certainly hip roofs on the house, whether it's the original house or the 80s edition. And so I, I really would support this uh, uh, application as designed, with the exception that the two windows on the proposed left side are not centered. They are in plan, so please correct that. But otherwise, I, I, I um, don't think that while we prefer to have additions off the back, this is one case where I would make the exception that it, it, it is in the right place. Functionally, it doesn't impact the historic resource and it doesn't impact the streetscape, in my opinion, uh, given the distance from the street. Thank you. Commissioner Radu. I agree with Commissioner Haynes. I, he, he got first, but I wanted to say the same things. <laughs> uh, and uh, it, it really doesn't touch the historic building. And um, it is, when you look even at the elevation, I mean, it's really like this, it's very small. And I was just looking at the size of the house. I mean, you do have a small house. I mean, we were just talking for the other preliminary about just an addition that's larger than your whole house. So that, just to put it in perspective, so I would support the project as is. This is Commissioner Burdett. Um, I'll throw my comments in before everybody takes all the good comments. Um, we get a lot of projects, especially in Tacoma, of, of people expanding their houses a lot. We've had a few accessory dwelling units come through, and those were actually for uh, mostly um, elderly family members that needed to be close by, and a couple of those have been detached simply because the, the family members were still able enough to make the trek across the yard. Um, I think in this situation, it, it's very evident that everything has to work right for your family situation, um, from the street all the way through the house and out the back door. And I don't have a problem with this addition to the 80s addition going off to the side. Um, and I just, one thought I had was if there was a way to soften the addition a l just the, the littlest bit, 
possibly even by putting a bay on the street facing window of your daughter's bedroom just to kind of add a little interest to it um, and possibly repeat that out the back door so she can see the deer that will visit regularly. Um, and you know, I, you happen to be working with a group of people here who are very well versed on accessibility requirements and guidelines. Um, some of us, most of us, I think, actually can can quote them letter and verse for you. We've done enough, so we we fully appreciate the need here. Um, and I think if you look at a, at how to make this addition kind of just blend a little bit better, I would have no problem supporting this hop. Um, are there any other comments from commissioners? Commissioner and, Doman. Um, maybe I missed um, in my review, but I'm curious about the exterior material. I think it says stucco on the outside. The, the addition that you propose to put on would be stucco, is that correct? Yeah. There sometimes, and I don't know if this is worthwhile bringing up, but sometimes we stipulate that additions differentiate themselves from the main structure so that when you look at it, you say, this is the house, which is 1930, whenever it was built, and then there's an addition put on that, I mean, I, I think a stucco would look fine here, but maybe in our view, um, a, a material other than stucco that, to differentiate the fact that this is obviously an addition. But then again, I, I don't want it to stand out in, like a sore thumb on the side of the house either. I kind of want I, I like the idea that it blends in nicely. I'm, I'm in favor of it, but I was just uh, thinking out loud about the exterior material on the, on the addition and maybe give that some more thought. Yes. Maybe, I mean, we're also open-minded to, uh, to put some uh, cement boards. It's like uh, if, if that, uh, that will work better. Yeah, I, I don't have any strong feeling. I think the colors would, would blend it in. It, it doesn't have, necessarily have to be stucco, but um, something that would differentiate the fact that it's an addition as opposed to the original house. So Definitely open I, I'm, I support the project as is, so thank you. Commissioner Pelletier. I just want to comment on it. all 80s editions look like this. You can tell an 80s edition, I don't know what it was, uh, but like the house is adorable and, and everybody felt the need to gussy it up or something. Anyway, I, I have worked on other houses with like the same edition on it from the same time period. I just think it's really, really interesting. Um, I have to disagree with uh, Commissioner Dolman. I think if the existing um, addition is stucco, I think it would be nice to continue the stucco, especially since the addition isn't really part of the original house. Um, I I can support this. I think I think it is far enough back from the street. I didn't get a chance to drive by the house, and I live in Tacoma Park. Um, but just judging from the photos, actually, that were in the report. It kind of confirmed that it was, you know, and it slopes up and it's going to be in the back. I have no issues with that. I'd rather you save the tree. Um, and I live in a house. I live in Tacoma and I live in a, a 
a small house with these long additions off the back and everybody that keeps talking about putting the addition off of the addition and like no it's like it's like walking down a bowling alley every time I go to bed. So I would be fine. I'm fine with this. I think it's, it's not a, you know, we were just looking at this, at this garage that had all these, you know, things off the sides and kind of made itself really known. And I really appreciate that this is quiet and it sits back there and it does its job. It doesn't bother anybody. So I, I would be, I can fully support this project. Commissioner Galway. This is Commissioner Galway. Um, I appreciate the input and, and just the discussion that we've had. Um, I could support the project as well. Uh, I think I would, I would be more inclined to say stucco as opposed to some other material. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Clements, are you feeling left out? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> Commissioner Clements exactly. Uh, my very brief comments are pretty much agreeing with what everybody has already said. Uh, I would also say stick with the stucco. And I would also uh, lend my support to going with the bay on the addition. I, I think that would be a, a spoonful of sugar to help the, the medicine go down on this one a little bit. Um, that's all I have to say. Thank you. Well, I think you've heard all of our comments that we're generally supportive of your addition, and we appreciate the need for it and that it will be an exception. Um, and you've heard a few comments about how to maybe make a few changes, uh, and you can work with staff on that. They will give you a rundown of our comments for your use, and um, we thank you for coming in, and we hope to see you very soon to approve your hop. And thank you very much. Thank you so much. Really thank appreciate you very much. All right. Next up, meeting minutes from the January 11th meeting. Did anybody read them? This is Commissioner Rado. I read them. Oh, and thank you. Would you like to make a motion? <laughs> I make a motion to approve the meeting minutes included in our report. Do I hear a second? I'll second. <laughs> Thank you. All in favor say aye. 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 The meeting aye. minutes are approved. <laughs> just just as a comment, I, I was curious why do we have like both in the report like PDF and Word file? Because I got I thought that there are two sets of meeting minutes and I'm like there's the same. <laughs> it it should just be the one the one. There's no difference. Um we have no staff items tonight, but we do have some a couple of minor commission items. Sure. Um, as a reminder for everybody, the Montgomery History Conference is still still ongoing. If you would like to register, um, there was actually a session tonight, um, but they are wrapping up with sessions this Saturday. Um, Commissioner Pelletier and Commissioner Nasser will be representing Montgomery County at the Maryland Association of Historic District Commission's annual meeting at Riversdale this Saturday. Also as a reminder for our February meeting dates, in addition to our two regular public hearings, we will also be having the Commission's winter retreat on Wednesday evening, February the 15th, and a separate invitation will be coming for that meeting. Also, also in February on the, look up, 
February 23rd planning board meeting will have um, the, the Edward U. Taylor School and the Weller's Dry Cleaning Master Plan Amendment public hearing and work session. So the master plan amendment has been advertised. The paper copies have been distributed to the county council and the executive, the libraries and the civic associations. The documents are available on our historic preservation website. John and I will be presenting and the planning board will be receiving public testimony at that hearing and then making their decision about the master plan amendment to be transmitted to the council. So I'll work with the, the vice chair and the chair to see who will be attending to represent the commission. The Is the sign-up page live yet? Uh, it be, yes. The sign-up page um, should be live on the planning board's website um, for those who do want to sign up to testify. Is it possible that both the chair and the vice chair could attend and each one represent something different? Well, or someone needs to represent the Historic uh, Preservation Commission. Commission, okay. Um, Both projects, though. Well, it is it is one master plan amendment mm -hmm. for two properties. Two pro oh, how nice. I like the strategy of that one. Yes. It is February the 23rd, Thursday morning at 10 a.m., and that time will not change once we advertise a date and a time for the public hearing and work session for a master plan amendment it doesn't get moved around on the calendar for that for that day um, that used to be pretty typical in the past that mm -hmm. we would bring forward master plan amendments for multiple multiple properties we just haven't done that in a while yes it is here okay. um, oh and by the way speaking of Riverdale at last uh, last Saturday's uh, historic conference, there was a presentation by the um, Prince George's mm -hmm. Park or historic. Step, was it Stephanie Sperling? Um, yes, who it was. presented. Yes, um, she is with she's with the commission with the Prince George's Parks. Parks, side. yeah, and they were doing a presentation of I believe it was um, hearing hearing the enslaved. And the different programs they have related to that concept, but they also presented their historic properties. Had very nice, lovely photographs. One of them was Riverdale, and I had never, I you know, being among, well, I being a <laughs> being a Moco County girl, I don't know PG County. Not a Marylander, not a University of Maryland. Mm -mm. So. So uh, interesting, you, the things you learn. I've always wanted to go in the house. It I is a wonderful, wonderful property. Yeah. I did a work session there for another MAHDC meeting once, and it, it's it's wonderful. You'll have a great time. Yeah, I've never been inside the house. I've only been curious around the property. Mm -hmm. It looks really cool. Well, thank you for representing us. And if that's all. That's everything. Then the meeting is adjourned. Mm -hmm.